In Parshas Ve'era that we read on Shabbos, the Pasuk says, Hu Aharon Omoshe. This is Aharon Omoshe that Hashem said to them to redeem Kal Yisrael from Mitzrayim. Rashi observes the variation in the order in which Aharon Omoshe are mentioned. He says, in some places, the Torah mentions Aharon before Moshe, and sometimes it places Moshe before Aharon. Why is that? Rashi explains. Loimalach, this to tell you, they were considered equal in greatness. And the obvious question is, how is it possible to equate Aharon to Moshe? Grant that Aharon was a great tzaddik. The Pasuk says in Tehillim, Aharon Kadosh Hashem, he was certainly a very righteous person. But equal to Moshe, the Torah testifies, Moshe was the greatest prophet, the greatest leader in the history of the Jewish people. He was the person that Hashem chose to give over the Torah to call Yisrael. So how can Aharon be his equal? So Moshe Feinstein's Zatzel says something very profound. Without doubt, Moshe was objectively greater than Aharon and greater than any person in his spiritual achievements. However, since Aharon fulfilled his potential to the best of his ability and harnessed all of his skills and talents in serving Hashem, he is considered equivalent to Moshe. So since both Moshe and Aharon fulfilled all they were capable of achieving, therefore from the perspective of the Rabbi Nishloilam, they were considered equals. And that's why the Torah varies their order to demonstrate to us that Aharon was comparable to his illustrious brother Moshe. To illustrate this point, I'd like to share with you a fascinating Gemara Mesechtes Baba Basra. Rabbi Yeshua had a son who suddenly fell ill. He slipped into a coma and his soul went up to heaven. When he regained consciousness, his father asked him, My chazes, what did you see up there? And he tells his father, I saw an inverted world. Those who are considered important and prestigious in this world were lamata, insignificant over there. They were placed all the way in the back. Those who are insignificant in this world, however, in the Oilam Ha'emes, they were given much honor and respect. And his father tells him, you're mistaken, Oilam Barurisi. A clear world you saw. You saw the ultimate truth. And the Mabit asks a very powerful question. Why was he so surprised that the order in the Oilam Haba was reversed? He saw wealthy people, people that have power and connections. So in this world, a false and superficial world, we give them tremendous honor. We seek their advice because we pretend that we value their opinion. And of course, we set them all the way up front. But in the world of truth, they are put in their rightful place. They are relegated all the way to the back. So what's, what's the chiddush here? It's kind of obvious. If all you have is money and power, that won't translate to anything significant in the Oilam Ha'amas. There, you are judged on merits, not on your bank account, not on how many followers you have on social media. So why was he so shocked they were sitting all the way in the back? And the Mabit says something incredible. When his son said, it doesn't mean rich in materialism. It means they were great in spiritual accomplishments. Rabbanim, Rosh Yeshiva. And despite that, they were still banished to the back. Because based on their potential, they could have accomplished a lot more. So this Gemara teaches us something incredible. A person that was a very respected person, he could have been a very prestigious Rosh Yeshiva. But if he only utilized 90% of his potential, in Olam Haba, he will be sitting behind a person that was considered the ignoramus on this world, but fulfilled 100% of their potential. Only Hashem knows a person's abilities and potential. Only He can determine if they are utilizing their talents to the fullest. Therefore, the results and achievements expected from every person are different. 
There may be people who do not seem to accomplish a great deal due to their limited potential or personal constraints, but who invest themselves fully in their lives. They will be zoiche to great reward in Olam because they fulfill their potential. On the other hand, there are many people who may possess numerous talents and abilities and they can achieve greatness without fully engaging themselves. So in this world, they will experience tremendous honor and privilege, but may be greatly disappointed in Olam when Hashem seats them all the way in the back because they didn't realize their full potential. And this idea gives us tremendous chizik when we see others who have attained great spiritual heights and accomplished great things. And we consider ourselves inadequate when we can't attain anything close to those levels. But this idea from Moshe is teaching us a life lesson. It's not your job to become a Rav or Rosh Yeshiva. It's not even your job to raise children to be Rabbanim or great Tamid HaChachamah. It's not your job to establish organizations or donate millions of dollars to tzedakah. Your job is to fulfill your particular mission, your specific tachlis in this world. And if that means learning one mission a day because that's all you're capable of, or five minutes of chesed a week because that's how much time you have, then you have accomplished your mission. And if that means giving one dollar a year to charity because that's all you can afford, you have accomplished your mission. Results is not what's demanded of you. Effort and toil and giving it all you got and giving it your best shot, that is what's demanded of you to fulfill your specific mission. And if you do that for 80, 90, 100 years, you have earned your spot in the world to come next to the most righteous people that have ever lived. The greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu was that he fulfilled his potential. He achieved what was demanded of him. His ceiling was extremely high and he fulfilled it to the best of his abilities. The Rambam says every person can be exactly like Moshe Rabbeinu. Obviously, nobody can be the Navi that Moshe was. He was given special divine powers. However, everybody has the ability to fulfill their potential according to their capabilities, according to their God-given talents and skills. And if you do that, says the Rambam, you are as great as Moshe Rabbeinu. The Gemara says, Asher mi Fortunate is the one who comes to Olam Abba with his Torah study in his hand. Why does it say biyada in his hand? Torah knowledge is in your heart, in your mind, not in your hand. But Chazal were being very precise here. But Talmudai biyadai. It's not enough that you have lots of Torah in your mind. It's not about what you know cognitively that counts. It must be in your hand. Hand symbolizes action. Toil and effort in the pursuit of achieving your mission. Your place in Olam Haba will not be measured by your wisdom or acumen, but by how much you tried. And now, we know. Have a wonderful day.